Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Coors Light presents Heavy Montreal, July 28th and 29th, outdoors at Parc Jean-Drapeau. Featuring Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. A weekend of hard rock and metal with Gojira, Emperor, Under Oath, Hollywood Undead, and many more. Festival passes are on sale now. See the full lineup at heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Guys, we got a great show for you today. Guitarist Tony Higby, vocalist James Rivera, and vocalist Kyle Thomas will all join me on this episode. It's an epic episode with lots of great music. I just, just want to say that on Talking Metal, it doesn't really matter what sports team you like, where you live, who you voted for, what religion or God you pray to or what or lack of, like myself. We put all that bullshit aside as we converge here on the Talking Metal podcast. All of it stays outside. All the freaking hatred I see on Twitter and Facebook, sometimes among my fellow listeners talking about the politics or this sports bullshit or religion. I put all that bullshit aside. And let's all be heavy metal brothers and sisters. I know there aren't many of you. That's a small club, the sisters. But let's just be a family here and put all that bullshit aside for this episode and every episode of Talking Metal. Here we go. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
doesn't get any better than that, folks. Iron Maiden recently pulled out the cassette of that album and posted a picture on our Instagram, the Talking Metal Instagram page of it, next to a Trooper beer, which I don't know if you guys noticed, they kind of redesigned the the artwork. They tweaked it a little bit on the Trooper beer. So, yeah, check out our Instagram. I really enjoy posting pictures on Instagram. I have two accounts, the Talking Metal Instagram account, which is a public account. Please follow me there. And then I have one for my my family and stuff, which I generally, unless I know you personally, um, or I should say unless you know me personally, I don't really suggest following the family account unless you want to see pictures of my kids because that's pretty much all I post up there. Occasionally there'll be a picture of me or my dog or... Very rarely, Emily, um, uh, you know, if she approves a picture that I can put up there, one, one will get up there. But yeah, anyways, follow me definitely, guys, on the Talking Metal Instagram account. We have some great guests on this episode. Tony Higby, who plays with Tom Kiefer and Damon Johnson, also the East Side Gamblers, will join me. Followed by James Rivera, the great vocalist of, of course, Hellstar. And we're going to close out the episode with Kyle Thomas, who you guys probably know from Exhorter, and he also is in Trouble, the great, great sludge stoner metal band, doom metal band, if you will. So we're going to be all over the map musically here. We were going to start things off with some music by the Eastside Gamblers, some great hard rock and stuff. I, I just kind of discovered this band recently after talking with Tony down at the M3 Festival. Again, Tony Higby, the guitar player who plays with one of my good friends, uh, Damon Johnson. He plays with Damon's band. He also plays with Tom Kiefer's band. He's got his great, great band of his own, the Eastside Gamblers. And I'm totally excited uh, because he's, he, well, you'll hear him talk about it. He's, he's in the studio with the Eastside Gamblers, and they're working on some new stuff, and I cannot wait to hear it. So, uh, yeah, on that note, let's, let's get into this interview with Tony Higby, recorded at the M3 Festival before he went on stage with Tom Kiefer. And yeah, we'll start that off with Backdoor Man by the East Side Gamblers. Go buy this on iTunes, listen to it on Spotify. It's Tony Higby's band, and then we'll hear from Tony Higby. Uh, it's an interview Mitch LaFon and myself recorded with Tony at the great M3 Festival this year, which if, if you haven't been to M3, you've got to go next year. It's on. It's happening next year. Wow, I can't wait. Uh, anyways, I'm losing my train of thought here. Let's East Side, the East Side Gamblers, little music followed by Tony Higby, an interview that Mitch and Mark conducted at M3. You alone for the last time in your time. 
started you want me to start it? Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal and Talking Rock, along with Mitch LaFon of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. And we are here with Tony Higby of Tom Kiefer's band and Damon Johnson's band. Tony, thanks for uh, sitting down with us for a few Man, minutes. Thanks for wanting me to sit down with you for a few minutes. I appreciate it. Oh, you bet. And we, I know Emily interviewed you last year, so it's great to catch up with you again this year. Let's. I know you're playing with Tom later, and I want to talk to you about that, but let's yeah. start off with the significance of the M3 festival. This is his 10th year. Mm-hmm. How many times have you played the festival? Man, I got to think. I think I think this is number four. Four, and it's with, with Tom? With Tom or, every yeah, time, yeah. With Tom every yeah. time. So we, we first year we did it, we did the second stage in the woods. And I remember it was right before, we were the headline in the second stage, it was right before Europe went on the main stage. Right. And then I know we did it as direct support, I want to say to Tesla two years ago. Okay. And then Rat last year. Right, yeah. And now we're headlining tonight, this yeah. year. Awesome. Yeah. So you have a chance to play with Damon Johnson of yeah. Black Star Riders. Yeah. You did Birmingham tonight. Yep. Talk to me about working with Damon because he's one of my favorite. Yeah. Um, he's one of my favorite too. Yeah. Um, Damon is. He's just he's just good people, yeah. you know. I I kind of have a rule at this point in my life. I won't even if I love the music. I won't. I got. I, I, there's two things I gotta really love, right. and then one thing that if it's good enough, it's fine. The money's good enough. Not like I don't, I don't need to get rich, but as long as right. it's fair, right. you can pay the bill. That's fine. Right. But the main thing for me is number one the music and number two the hang. I don't want to play. I don't want to play with an asshole, you know. And Damon's a great guy. Wonderful human being, amazing guitar player, and he's got a cool voice. Like I don't think he gives himself enough credit for what a cool singer he is, but he's just got a he's got a cool voice. Um, and as a guitar player, it's been really healthy for me because I do what I do in my own band, the East Side Gamblers, right. and then I play with Tom, and we have a thing. But Damon comes from a little different direction, and he's a monster guitar player, and it pushes me a little bit, right. you know, and. So it's great to get up there, and especially with him, you know, in his solo band, it's kind of covering a broad spectrum of all the stuff that he's done. So there's, yeah, there's lots of Brother Kane, which is like kind of a cool, there's a lot of textures going on there, a lot of stuff going on. You know, even some of his smaller projects like uh, Slave to the System. And uh, And Whiskey. uh, Whiskey Falls. We don't do any Whiskey Falls in that band. You should. Um, Actually, our drummer, Jared, was in Whiskey Falls with Damon. Right. Yeah, Tom's drummer too, same guy. Um, and then, uh, slave, yeah, slave to the system. Uh, Red Halo, I think, was the name of another EP that he did. Because I know we do amphetamine on on Birmingham tonight, and that's from that. Uh, and then, of course, the Thin Lizzy stuff, the Alice Cooper stuff, the Black Star Rider stuff. I mean, there's just so much to draw on. It's just a lot of fun, you know. Um, and Damon's just—he's he's, like I say, he's just a legit dude. He's a great guy. He really is. Now, now you mentioned your own band. Is that talk to me about the plans for that? Is there an album coming out? Is like, are you gonna? Yeah. Fix, okay. Yeah, we've got—we've actually got two EPs on iTunes right now. The East Side Gamblers self-titled first one, and the second one is called All In. We have a new one done called uh, The Big Machine. Uh, we produce—we produce the first two ourselves. Um, the new one, Big Machine, we actually did with Nick Rasculinix producing. And I don't oh, know if nice. you're familiar with Nick. Oh, but, of course. Yeah. Rush's producer and, of course, Black Star. Yeah, he did, last couple, he did the last couple Black Star. Yes. He did last like, he did three Rush fire. records. He did uh, uh, Killer Instinct. Yep. 
and then the Rush stuff. Like the last three Rush albums, yeah. he did a couple he did of Ghost, I think too. Yeah, he yeah. did Ghost. He did a couple oh, of yeah. Deftones records. He did a couple of Foo Fighters records. He yes. did. Yeah, he's he, doing the new Hailstorm record. He's like right the new now. Fireball Ministry. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, we were I I can't afford Nick. We were right. his. You know, we paid him what we could, and we were his passion project that he shoehorned in between sessions with Corn and Allison Chains. So, um, and I'm really proud of that. It turned out great, and uh, you know, I'm really proud of those first two EPs too. But Nick, he pushed me and made us take it up another notch. You know, but if you haven't heard us before, if you like that '70s kind of two guitar ACDC meets UFO meets, you know, just big loud hard rock band. You know, guitar harmonies here and there and stuff like that. That's awesome. Kind of, that's kind of the speed of it. Yeah. Awesome. And I know we all want to get out to see Faster Pussycat oh, play, but you're good. Uh, real quick, what what's uh, you're doing this big M3 gig tonight with Tom Kiefer? Yep. What what else is on the agenda for for you and Tom? Well, I mean, this is year six. Which when I took this gig, I legitimately thought eh, it'd be six to nine months. Got to do a few runs support his solo record and then you know cinderella probably go back and start doing shows again right and now we're on year six wow um we've been threatening to make a new record for a while i think the threats are going to become a reality end of this year we'll probably start working on it okay we're going to tour through the summer into the fall is what i'm hearing and uh you know there's some song ideas simmering on his end i've got a few on my end um i'm so sure you guys are writing <clears throat> together not together yet we're kind of okay. doing our own things i've got okay. like some you know, when I write, I tend to write, and a lot of times I'll hear where it should go. And, it, and as far as projects, you know, and if I write for the Gamblers, it's a little different stylistically. I sing a little differently than Tom, you know, when it's me singing lead. Um, but every once in a while, I'll write something, and I'll hear it and just go, man, that would totally fit Kiefer, right. you know. And so I've got some ideas kind of set aside like that. I don't want to develop anything too much because I want to collaborate with him, and right. you know, okay. and have him put his stamp on it, you know. So, um but yeah, we'll see, you know, maybe I get five songs on the record. Maybe I get zero. Maybe I get one or two. I don't know, right. but whatever it's, you know, I mean, it's, it says Tom Kiefer on the marquee, but you know, he always makes it a point to make us all feel and know that it's a band. And even though he's the band leader, clearly, right. you know, he really goes out of his way to make everybody feel included and listen to everybody's ideas and thoughts and, you know, and work on stuff together. So awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, as always, thanks for joining us hey. on uh, Talking Metal and Talking Anytime. Rock. And have Anytime. a great set tonight. Really can't wait. You guys were great last year. Can't wait to see you again tonight. I am looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. So I, the set this year is probably my favorite set we've played so far. Oh, cool. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, we do a full set. It's 90. And we got to trim a couple because of the festival tonight. Just a couple right. tunes. But headlining affords us the ability to be able to play, you know, a lot longer. But, you know, a full, full set for us is 90 minutes. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it right now. Right. Like, and I, I always feel like that's the mark of a good set, you know. When, yeah. you're, when the guy who's been playing it all year goes, really, we're done already? Wow, you know? yeah. So, awesome. But, but it's a cool set. And there's songs in there that we've never got to play that I'm a big fan of. And I'm like, yes. Cool. I'm so glad this is in the set. Plus, like, in this year's the 30th anniversary of Long Cold Winter. Is it? Wow. Yeah. So we're we're going. Yeah, we're going a little deeper on that this year. Good. I think we're playing. I think we're playing like half of that record, or maybe even a little more. In wow. The set. So well, that's you know, that's good news. That album has yeah. hits. Yeah. So yeah. you know, but yeah. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, right. Tony. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me. This is one we uh, I don't ever play, but we're gonna play it for you guys right now. This is called "Slave to the System."
to the system off 
the Damon Johnson live album, Birmingham Tonight, featuring Tony Higby on guitar. It's a great live record. I know I've spoken about it on some of the other Talking Metal and Talking Rock episodes. I really am enjoying that record. Love it. I think it came out late last year. I, I didn't get it until this year, though, but it's it's great. And I did want to mention that Damon, a good friend of, of the show, a good f- a friend of mine who plays with Black Star Riders, he did announce he is doing a pledge music campaign. So let's all go and support Damon there. It is a campaign for his next record, Memories of an Uprising. Again, Damon Johnson, who we just heard there rocking the song Slave to the System with Tony Higby. Yeah, so Damon is doing this Pledge Music campaign. So check it out and support Damon's next record. And also be on the lookout for the next record by the Eastside Gamblers. It sounds like it's going to be a great one. And hopefully Tony will come back and talk with us once it's released. All right, let's remind you guys that I got, uh, I reordered, restocked the Talking Metal t-shirts, and of course, now that I did that, they are not selling <laughs> quite quite as good as they, they had been on the, on the first order, but we are restocked, all sizes, small, through 3XLs, let me know what you need, 20 bucks, hit me up on PayPal, the PayPal account is, is of course, my email, my personal email, which is Striegelmark, S-T-R-I-G-L-M-A-R-K at gmail.com. Send me 20 bucks and give me your shirt size and your address and we'll get one out to you. Uh, That is a great way to support the show. I don't make a lot of money off the t-shirts because, you know, I didn't, it wasn't like I was ordering 2,000 t-shirts. It was more like, you know, 50 at a time. But what happens is uh, you guys wear it out at the shows people say hey what's talking metal you say hey it's a great podcast you're out there promoting what i do and i i really thank you for that so let's uh let's buy some t-shirts i would love to send you out some t-shirts 20 bucks hit me up on paypal just do it as a donation so we don't have to deal with like selling goods and taxes and all that bullshit all right and also support us on patreon really kind of bummed you know i i launched this patreon page and was hoping we would really get close to our goal, and and we're nowhere near being close. But having said that, you know, I I, I still have hope. You guys are going to join me there. We got seventeen great Patreons there supporting what we do here on Talking Metal, the podcast. There is the Talking Metal YouTube page where I just recently posted my Queensrÿche interview which uh, my friend Mike Peel edited, and of course he didn't do it for free, you know, so it, there's there's cost involved. Yeah, that's a whole other story. Finances are, are grim on my part here, so anything you can do to support me on Patreon and keep this thing alive, because honestly, some days I wonder how much longer we can we can really keep this going. So definitely show some love to what we do with Talking Metal and Talking Rock by going to Patreon. You can also write a review for us on iTunes. Five-star reviews are preferred. Also on the Patreon uh, note, if you do a $5 a month pledge or donation, I will send you out a t-shirt. Just uh, send me an email and let me know that you're doing that. And I'll probably see it because I, I go to Patreon all the time. But, you know, we'll connect and I'll get you out a T-shirt. Okay? 
$5 a month or more gets you a Talking Metal t-shirt with a Patreon pledge. All righty. And, of course, we love the five-star reviews on iTunes. We love you guys using the Amazon links, which are up on TalkingRock.net and TalkingMetal.com. Those Amazon links are good for anybody in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. So, yeah, please use our Amazon links. And without further ado, this is a song called Guardian of the Sea by Shadow Keep. After this song, we will hear from James Rivera. And coincidentally, this is James on vocals on this one.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line for the first time here on the podcast, we have the great vocalist James Rivera. James, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you, man? I'm excellent. It's really great to talk with you because, as always, you have so much stuff going on, which has just been a theme of yours through the years. I've always admired how many how many things you're able to balance at once and just your hardworking ethic. It's, it's really impressive. <laughs> well, I think it's because I don't know anything else to do. So <laughs> right. I better be be good at be good at what I'm doing there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, of course, a lot of us know you from Hellstar, but let's let's start off talking about Shadowkeep, which is a band that's been around a while. They were there was a I guess eight to ten year hiatus where they weren't really quite as as visible, but they're back with their. New album. It's their first album in over 10 years. It's a self-titled album, and this time you are in the fold with them. How did this all come about? Well, you know, uh, what happened is is that uh, Nikki and Chris I've known for over uh, almost 10 years now, and uh, they have uh, uh, been very, very um, dedicated, uh, very, very major loving Hellstar fan, James Rivera fans altogether so for many years. Right. And right. so I've met them several times that just come and do our shows, you know, and, um, the, the bass player, Stoney is also a Texan. He lives in Austin and I know him very well. And so what happened is that, um, I guess for the last 10 years, they've been working on this record and they were, uh, auditioning singers left and right. And they just couldn't, they just couldn't find what they were looking for. And what they were looking for was not what they were what you know everybody thought they would be looking for which you know they 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 primarily have been a, almost a complete prog uh metal band in the past and and of course the singers they've had before which um and, and no offense it's nothing it's nothing derogatory but that's just my term you know in a, in a funny cartoon way i call it the canary singers so basically you know <laughs> right. the jeff tates and the right. midnights and yeah 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 so, because they do remind me of birds at the end of the day you know so right. so it's kind of they you know that's kind of what their style was but i think that what happened is is they saw that maybe that was putting them in a box and really their true hearts are yeah they're into that stuff too but they're really into i mean you know you, who is who doesn't love judas priest and who doesn't love iron maiden who doesn't love dio who doesn't love you know, and of course, them being big Hellstar admirers. So, I think in their hearts, what they were doing was they were just trying to change direction. So, when they started auditioning people, they started getting a bunch of canaries, and they're going, "Well, we're actually looking for a vulture." Right. right. <laughs> so it, it didn't work out, and so they were like, "Well," then, and so people would be like, "Well, you know, what are you looking for?" We're going, "Well, we're kind of looking for a James Rivera. <laughs> if we could get one of those, we'd be happy." Yeah, and so uh, Stoney just brought it up at a gig in Austin. We were all hanging out. Just, you know, I was going to see his Judas Priest tribute band, and he was he came up to me and he's like, "Dude, what would you think about singing in Shadowkeep, man? We're looking for James Rivera, and here you are." And I mean, so I just you know, I just knew it was you got too much on your plate. And I said, "Well, as a matter of fact, I don't have anything going on." I said, "Really, really?" And he was like, really? "Yeah, you know, this is what we're looking. You know, this is the direction we want to go." And, I said, well, I love, you know, uh, Nikki and Chris. And I said, well, you know, I'd like to hear the material just to be sure, you know. I mean, so when he told them, they got so excited. So they started sending me stuff. And sure enough, as soon as I started listening to it, I said, I can hear my voice all over this stuff. And that's how it happened. And so we were all skeptical at first because you're always going to have the haters and this and that. But so far, 
everybody has loved the new album and saying that, you know what, it's probably the best thing they've ever done. And, and it, it, you know, what I did to it, it fits. And, and that's the direction we will go from here on out. You know, yeah, it does sound really great. And again, we're talking about Shadow Keep, the self-titled album that is out now. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. You can pick it up at all your favorite music outlets. Let me let me ask you, as far as the songwriting for this went. Now, were they sending you lyrics and melodies, or are you are you getting just musical tracks and, and coming up with your own? Your, your everything own was just everything was everything was naked. And so, right. okay. uh, and ironically, another thing that made Stoney happy was that he was never allowed to write. I guess according to them and their past two singers, that they were very dominant about how they only wanted to write the melodies and the and the uh, lyrics, blah blah blah. And when it comes to me, since day one, me and Mr. Berrigan from Hellstar have always collaborated on the lyrics. So okay. I've always been open to you know ideas. So Stoney was bringing that up, and I said, "Dude, send them over." So you know, with the collaboration and some stuff he sent me, and I wrote the majority of all the lyrics for everything, but I wrote all the melodies myself. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, that's kind of how it worked. Everything was done with nothing, and so. Uh, of course, now, uh, a lot of the melodies and the final, uh, what was put down on tape, or it's not tape anymore, what's put down on a hard drive. Uh, I don't yeah. even know what the term is. Not, yeah, it's put down on hard drive. I know that's weird, huh? Uh, a lot of the melodies and a lot of the vocals, I would say, also were a collaboration of me and Mr. Berrigan because Larry produced the vocals here in Houston, you know, so. Oh, did he? Okay. Um, so, yeah, more Hellstar oh, yeah. influence yeah, yeah. on it. it. Yeah, very cool. And more Hellstar influence, right. But, yeah, and but at the same time, when we were listening to, to the tracks and the stuff I started laying, he goes, you know, bro, I think this is, this calls for pulling out the vigilante card and the distant thunder card and the days when you sang really high and clean and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep a lot of the, the black metal filthy guys that we put in Hellstar as little, you know, hints here and there, because I know you like that stuff. We'll save that for Hellstar, but I think for this one, we need to go more for the... You remember back in the day when you used to warm up to Steve Perry before shows? Think that way. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, and we, and, we, and we did, you know, and that's why it came out the way it did. So it is, it is, it is me, but it's definitely different than Hellstar. And that, that's the main thing that I wanted to keep on track, is that when I sing for Shadow Keep, they're going to get the James Vera meets Steve Perry meets, you know... Uh, my old days and then when they get Hellstar they're going to get you know James Rivera meets Danny Filth a little bit here and there and and just more aggression you know so it keeps it separated right on right on and that's very cool I had no idea that you know Larry was was also kind of involved in, in this in kind of a, uh I don't know behind the scenes way I guess I would call it right right yeah, yeah. very cool so you know on that last Hellstar record it was really a theme of about vampires throughout the whole record is the shadow the shadow keep record i was listening to the lyrics and is there a theme there in your in your mind is is this all kind of connected you know guardians of the sea the talking about swords horse of war is there a theme here in, in your mind that that runs throughout the record yeah uh basically it's um um it, the theme was more as and it was it was Chris and Nikki's idea from the get go. They wanted a mythology theme, so a lot of it is about mythology and uh, and and you know just uh, legends and 
Uh, and then one song's about actually Moses, you know, freeing, freeing the Jews and, uh, you know, horse of war is just basically about the, the, the days of the, the nights, you know, and, uh, um, you know, the, the horse that took them to battle with all the, the armor on it and stuff, you know, so it, it kind of, it does have a big theme, but there is a lot of it is uh, Greek mythology. Like, you know, of course, yeah. Guardian of the seas about Neptune and of course, Minotaur, right. Minotaur and, you know, so it, it's a mixture of a lot of things. And then there's actually a song on there about the very first vampire ever recorded, you know, as far as legend has it, you know, and where it all started. And it started in Greek mythology. <laughs> right. So it's, you know, it's funny, you know. Yeah. Is that, what, which one is that? Immortal Drifter? Is that is that what that one is? That's it. Yeah. Immortal Drifter. So, yeah. yep. I got to I got to throw in my two cents about, uh, you know, my passion for vampires and this right whole on. thing. So, right yeah. On. Cool. Well, and will there be any chance that you're going to do shows with Shadowkeep? Well, we've already done a little string of shows uh, oh, okay. around a, a festival in Germany that that um, that booked us, and this already happened in late February, early March. We did a few shows in Belgium, Holland, and, and yeah, that was about it. But uh, they are coming to America in November, and that's because Pure oh, Steel nice. is going to do their Pure Steel Festival in Cleveland. The last weekend of October, and then uh, two weekends at well, one week not this net very next weekend, but yeah, two weekends after that, I'm scheduling some Texas shows. Um, since they're coming to America, right. and um, we're going to do uh, three shows, probably uh, co-headlining with Nasty Savage, and uh, but that's because that there's another festival that's built in San Antonio on November the 10th with Nasty Savage as the headliner and Shadowkeep already on it. So with them coming to Texas, I mean, obviously I've got to do Houston and Dallas, you know, so. Right on. Very good. Well, that's exciting. And on the, the Hellstar front, I know you guys had done a lot of, a lot of shows uh, have, in 2017. Have there been, what's going on? Have you done shows in 2018 with Hellstar? <laughs> Yeah, we we just did man, we just did a couple of shows just uh, last weekend, two nice oh, big you? ones. Okay. Uh, the, we did the the NYD uh, M Fest in Milwaukee, the headliner on Friday. Nice. Very next day, we flew right back home and did the Hell's for uh, Hell's Heroes Festival, co-headlining with Sarah Thungle and Midnight, and that was you know right here in our hometown. So, uh, but both shows were amazing. <sighs> Nice. And, uh, yeah, we're kind of leaning on kind of becoming that band that we think that we really just kind of need to stick to doing things like that instead of, instead of trying to go out and really do major tours is just because of everybody's work schedule. Uh, I mean, it's a combination of a lot of things, you know, first of all, work schedules, you know, and, and, uh, maintaining a, a regular life, um, mainly for them, not for me, but, um, and then, um, you know, just the market today, the, the, the way things are. I mean, you know, if a band that I think at the level we got to, um, you know, you do, you kind of stuck doing the weekend warrior thing. You go and do a few shows in this territory, fly home, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not in the cards anymore to do that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're slowly, but thinking about writing the, you know, the new record and we're going to take our time with it and, uh, that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. So the last record, 2016's Vampiro. So what do you think? 2019 release for for a new Hellstar? Yes, that okay. sounds about realistic. Yes. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, looking forward to that. And 
Man, you've just through the years had your hands in in so many different things. Uh, a couple things I just wanted to touch upon. Phil, to the talking metal listener who doesn't know what this is, can you explain a little bit about Sabbath, Judas Sabbath? Oh, okay. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, funny thing is that uh, what that is is my international tribute band. Um, it started off as a a separate Black Sabbath tribute and a separate Judas Priest tribute. Oh God, 2000 or 90, yeah, around there. Wow. 99. Okay. Something Going back ways. Right. One was called Children of the Grave. Yeah. Children of the Grave. And one was called Metal Gods. And then I started doing more shows with it. And I started, and then with the two tributes, then I was in seven witches and then all these other things started piling up. And like, as you said, you know, you're um, impressed with how I can do so many things. But then, then again, I started going like, okay, wait a minute. I'm not an octopus. This is a little too much. And so um, I decided to go ahead and combine the two uh, and make it into one act. And so when I did it, I was just like, I it just perfectly, I, I was just laying in bed and I'm like, ah, I'll just call it Sabbath, Judas Sabbath. <laughs> and so basically there, then that's when it's, that's when it was born. And I started doing a a lot of shows in Tampa when I was living there and of course the people loved it and then I had the Houston chapter and then before you know what I had I guess because it was getting a lot of attention I got you know I started getting inquiries from different band members from different regions of the of the US and then the next thing you know I had a Salt Lake chapter and then that led to then I had a Florida chapter then the Houston chapter and then I ended up having a uh uh, Phoenix chapter, and then you know, then it went to an LA chapter. Now, when you say uh, chapter, but, uh, what does that mean? Different guys in the band in in different towns. What does that mean Ch- when you say? Chapter? Yes, different, okay. different, different. different yeah, different yeah. chapter. Exactly, different bands. Right. Yeah, okay. different players in different in areas. Wow, that's, that's and so it was a it was it was a clever way of me doing a bunch of markets with the same act, but not having all the expense of five members flying everywhere. You yeah. know, and so. Uh, that, that started saturating the, the country here. And then all of a sudden, um, the Europeans got excited about it. And my, then, so I ended up, uh, mingling with some young cats that are now older because we got, we've been together since for 10 years now. And, and so my very first European chapter was from Slovenia and they were a band called metal steel. So once that happened, that led, they did a lot of shows in Europe everywhere, but because of where they're situated in the country, it did start getting, it started becoming like what it was in America. Like, okay, well, you know, uh, to come to the Netherlands from Slovenia is 12 hours, <laughs> Wow. you know? So it's kind of like, so then that led to creating uh, a German chapter and a Dutch chapter. And then finally in the end, a UK chapter. So there <laughs> altogether, there's like 10 chapters of wow. SJS right That's now. <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned seven witches and, there, I'm in New Jersey, so you know we all know those guys, Jack Frost, of course, Alan Tecchio, oh, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. those guys. How do you look back on, on the the work that you did with with Seven Witches? You know, it, it, to me, it's some of my proudest work too. I mean, I think nice. that uh, I think at that point, my I, I think at my point at that point, my vocals were starting to get to their their, their very very peak of all all the elements I've ever done in my life. You know, so. Um, I mean, and I think, right. I mean, Jack was such a great writer that, uh, shit is some of the best stuff I've done, you know, as far as 
simplicity and and uh, and straightforward, more catchiness in in the in the songs that we did. And I mean, Passage to the Other Side will always be a classic, you know, and and Year of the Witch as well, you know. But uh, right, right. yeah, I mean, it was some, and we did a lot of great touring. We did a lot of good stuff, you know. And and I loved coming up to that area, you know. I miss all those guys. Cool, cool. And you did some work with Malice, which is a, a band that just has a, a long, great history. I was a big fan of their their early stuff. Any any chance that that would ever pick back up, or is that kind of that ship sailed? Well, uh, unfortunately and sadly, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, Mick passed away, and, right? Yep. And and so at the at the end of the day, when when we did that new breed of gods, and, and we we wanted to give it a shot, see if we could revive the band, and it was going to be, and again, another situation where it had been so different from what they were doing. Uh, there was only the two original members left. And so now that he's gone, it, it's, it, now it'll probably never happen again, you know? Okay. So it's, yeah. Right on. And the South Texas Legion, the Texas Metal Legion, we were talking a little bit about that before the, before the interview started here. Can you, can you fill the Talking Metal listeners in on what that's all about? Yeah, well, what that's all about is it's about the and back in the eighties um, when we first started out um, as Hell Stars. As a matter of fact, our first show was in San Antonio. There was just this scene that was just out of control. I mean, it was San Antonio was called the the metal capital of the world. Now, different cities will argue about that, but. I guess, depending on where you lived. And I lived in Texas, so I, I saw what San Antonio was like, where, you know, when you went to shows there, they were five times bigger than they were in Houston and anywhere else. Right. right. But there, it seemed to me that, there, it, that what created the San Antonio metal scene was bands like Hellstar, Metal Church, Merciful Fate. They liked that, you know, and then, of course, they had their own San Antonio Slayer and Carry On and then Watchtower from Austin. That was a different kind of music and what it was it was that music was very intricate and very technical and so when people classified uh, texas the texas metal scene that's what they're talking about and it's ironic that you know like they don't even think of pantera which was the band that made it the biggest out of texas for metal but they're not included in that world for well obviously musically that's why but i mean so the texas metal scene when they talk about, I guess the proper term would be the South Texas metal scene or the South Texas metal legion. If that's what it's, that's talking about is those bands that, that erupted that whole scene in San Antonio in the eighties. And so, uh, they have, we have all kind of, uh, joined forces again. So this, this Texas metal legion now is made up of, of me and Bob Catlin and Art Varial, the original guitar players from San Antonio Slayer, Jason uh, McMaster, of course, everybody knows who he is, Watchtower, yep. Dangerous Toys, Mike Solis from Militia, and on and on and on and on, you know, just uh, the guys from uh, Juggernaut, members from Juggernaut, and um, it's just, it. what we did is we, we, cre- we created the heavy metal Leonard Skinner, and uh, we ended up doing, um, there's a and what brought it all together was this uh, little museum in San Antonio called the Pop Culture, uh, South Texas Pop Culture Museum. Right. And they have a theme every quarter, and the theme for the, this last quarter was the metal scene. 
So when you went in there, there was these pictures of all these old metal bands like San Antonio Slayer, Hellstar, all over the walls and any little thing you could find. And they, uh, they put together a show and uh, we played. And Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> it was one of the biggest shows I've ever played in San Antonio in years. Really? I mean, it may, and it, it got to the point where it made news. Um, now the newspaper on the cover of it, the, the Texas metal, the South Texas metal thing is like on the cover of the San Antonio current. And it's, it's blowing up so big now. Um, we just got confirmed for keep it true. And <laughs> yeah, really? so I'm awesome. like, wow, yeah. where is this going to go? Nice. Yeah, Congratulations. It's fun. So, yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's very something to be uh, proud of, you know, and be like, well, I was part of that. And, you know, the funny story is that Hellstar, although Hellstar is not from San Antonio, and when you think of the, you know, those bands, they're primarily really thinking more of, you know, what, what built the San Antonio metal scene? You know, may, may, you know, uh, Watchtower was from Austin, but, you know, Austin right. is San Antonio, basically an hour apart. So that's kind of the same. Hellstar was, you know, not anywhere near from Austin. But it was just us musically. We we fit there, and we were claimed so and loved so much by San Antonio. By the time the first record came out, Kerrang magazine was talking about you know this band from Texas based out of San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> wow. So we were loved there so much that we were mistaken for a San Antonio band. But when we read it, instead of getting upset, we'll go, huh, we'll take it. <laughs> we know San Antonio loves us. Why not? You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, everybody thought we were a San Antonio band. <laughs> but, um, Great you stuff. know, that, that's, but that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I had no idea about the museum and stuff. That's very cool. I wish I could have seen that exhibit. It sounds, sounds very oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, yeah. Well, James, it's been great talking with you, and we encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to – Seek out the new release by Shadow Keep featuring James Rivera on vocals and, of course, Hellstar. Where's the best place for people to reach Hellstar online? Is it Facebook or the, the website? Yeah. Yeah, just go to the, you know, the, the Hellstar Facebook. Is, you know, that's the best place to find out what's going on. And uh, I probably the same for Shadow Keep as well, too. You know, so uh, I guess that's the way everything's going. Matter of fact, the... Uh, uh, South Texas Metal Legion is, you know, is on, on Facebook already too, and oh, been cool. getting uh, tons of hits and everything. Yeah, cool. And <laughs> yeah, man, w what a career you've had. I mean, I feel like in this interview we've only scratched the surface. Guys, do yourself a a favor and just uh, just Google James Rivera because he's done so much stuff through the years, and it's so impressive. Definitely one of the the hardest working guys in in heavy metal. James Rivera, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, buddy. I really appreciate that. I really do. And, and you guys out there, keep keep the faith. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many years we're, some of us that created are going to be around, but <laughs> as long as we're around, we're going to keep delivering it. <laughs> so uh, we're yeah. not going anyway anytime soon. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that because, uh, I mean, you know, that's a whole other discussion, but I feel like every, every year that goes by, we – we lose some of our, our heavy metal heroes. And, oh, I know. And whether it's retirement or, or even worse, passing on, it's just like, you know, uh, yeah, I feel like we're at the end of the, the era of, of this uh, great heavy metal movement that, you know, people like you have, have brought us. So glad to hear you're going to be uh, out there doing it for us for as long as you can. That's great. You bet, buddy. You bet. Yeah.
right. Thank you, James, for joining us here on Talking Metal. James Rivera. Wow, what a, what a mind-blowing career this guy has had. If you don't know James, definitely, like I said, uh, go Google him and just prepare to be blown away by the amount of work this guy has done through the years. James Rivera. Very, very cool that he holds the, the Seven Witches stuff in such high regard. Of course, their uh, beloved New Jersey band, Jack Frost... Alan Tecchio, two guys I know, have been associated with that band, and so is James Rivera. Actually, Jack Frost is is kind of the the dude behind that whole thing. He's been on every record, Seven Witches, of course. All right, so that song that we heard coming out of the interview was Bloodlust by Hellstar from 2016, featuring James Rivera on vocals. Bloodlust, again, by Hellstar. Go buy that on iTunes. And let's keep it rolling. This is Death in Vain by Exhorter from 1990. Wow, I can't believe it's that that long ago. And this will be followed by an interview I conducted with Kyle Thomas of Exhorter and Trouble. <laughs>
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and calling in on the line, we have vocalist Kyle Thomas. Kyle, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm good, and I wanted to catch up with you because it sounds like, uh, as always, you have a lot of stuff going on. I want to hear what's going on with Trouble, but let's start with uh, X Hoarder. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of uh, movement going on here, some exciting stuff happening. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about how this uh, new lineup of really this uh, legendary band has, has materialized? Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's, it really just kind of happened, uh, I guess, about a year ago, um, after many, many years of, of not doing anything, um, following the, the last breakup, which <laughs> seems to happen every, uh, uh, every decade or so, a, a right. reunion and then a, uh, and a dissolving of the band. But, um, this time around, uh, Danny and I sat down and talked and it's like, you know, we, we both realized, uh, after having, bump into each other in social situations, like how much we really miss each other. I mean, the guy and I are practically brothers. We have known each other since we were teenagers. And, uh, you know, sometimes when it comes to family, you, you love family like no other, and you fight with family like no other. So uh, well, we've just kind of chalked it up to nothing that happened is irreconcilable. So uh, we began talking about the possibility of working together again, uh, and it just kind of fell into place, and next thing you know, we had an opportunity to sign with uh, All Independent Services Alliance Management Company, and uh, they've kind of just uh, taken, the, I think, the pressure of all of the things that we really thought about back in the day. Uh, they've, they've taken on that workload for us and just kind of given us a, an opportunity to focus on what we're supposed to be doing, which is... Uh, you know, putting together a live uh, ensemble that, that can deliver the goods and creating new music. And it's really, really made a huge difference. Um, I haven't laughed. Uh, the way I've laughed the last few months, I haven't laughed like that in a long time. Nice. Uh, obviously, the soil we needed. Um, and to uh, get, uh, I guess that was the long version and long path to get to your question, which is about the lineup. Um, we're we're really excited about our lineup. Um, yeah, tell us who's in the band now. Yeah, we've, we've got some really, really cool uh, people working with us right now. Uh, the, the longest term member right now who, uh, who's, who's in the new lineup is Jason Vibrooks. We first met Jason in the early mid-90s, kind of right around the time that we were about to, to break up after uh, the law tour. And... Um, it, he, he came down to uh, to audition for the spot, and we spent some time with him. Really liked him. He played with Heathen back then, and uh, since then he's played on and off with Heathen and Grip Incorporated. So Jason's definitely pro level guy, uh, quality human being, which is a huge plus. Um, the project that he and Vinny had put together in recent years. That's uh, it's it still hasn't been released yet, but it's uh, it's called Year of the Tyrant. Uh, Jason and Vinny and and our drummer Sasha Horn, 
who also played with Forbidden. Uh, with uh, Dan Nelson, right? Forbidden. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Dan Nelson on vocals. And uh, I don't think Sasha played in Forbidden, but maybe for a minute, uh, maybe some live shows or, or uh, free preps of an album or something. But he did also play with Jason Bohemian. And um, the last piece of the puzzle in that... Uh, uh, in the new lineup here is, is Marzi Montessori. I have a project with Marzi that it's his. It's been his for a long time called Heaviest Texas, and he uh, he asked me to help him finish up the album and, and start this, you know, as a joint venture with me and him. And uh, he, he sent me some recordings he'd done with Chris Collier that are just flat-out amazing. And uh, we're, we're kind of in a final stages of mixing, uh, yeah, of recording, and then uh, mixing will start soon on that, uh, but Marzi's a beast, if, if anyone doesn't know who Marzi is, you're going to soon, uh, he had just recently done an EP uh, with, with Tim Ripperones, Okay, that sounds really, really good, and uh, that was kind of just the precursor of what Heaviest Texas is going to be doing, so, yeah, we, we love our, our lineup, we played the shows in New York at St. Vitus Bar, and one down here. Right before Mardi Gras, and uh, we just did um, about a half a week of rehearsals here in New Orleans because we leave Wednesday for a few festivals in Europe. And uh, it's wow. business as usual, and uh, the, the calm and the peace in the room with everybody when we're all together is, is fantastic, and I, I couldn't ask for more than that. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. That sounds like just exciting news to have you guys out there doing it again and can we expect new music or is it still kind of too soon to think about that you know we mostly been focusing at this point on uh on just getting everybody up to snuff with being able to play the material because if anyone's not familiar exhorter is extremely technical music right and uh you know when a guy uh, at the level of marzi is pulling his hair out going, you know, what did Vinny write? <laughs> How could he do this? It, it says a lot about the, uh, the the makeup of this music. So everyone's worked extremely hard in doing their preparation so that we can get out there and, and give people who love Exhorter or, or have yet to experience Exhorter the true uh, experience. It's it's definitely a young man's game that I'm trying to relearn at 48 because right. uh, it, it's it, to, it, to, to get out there and, and not do it 100% would really kind of be an, uh, a disservice to anybody who's familiar with it or, or has not yet experienced it. So uh, I've been in the gym trying to get my cardio up and cool. uh, getting sleep and taking my vitamins. That's about it. That's about all I can do. Right on. You know, and when you look back, I mean, it's so many years ago at this point, going way back to, I mean, what was it, 1990, the Slaughter in the Vatican record, um, that was such a revolutionary sound for, for that time. It kind of took thrash and extreme metal to this new place. H how do you look back on that record so many years later? It, it's such a story with that album. Um, it, we... We formed in 86, and we were all pretty young. And uh, we started, we did the demo for 
Slaughter. And Slaughter in the Vatican was our third demo. And we did that, started it in 87 and completed it in 88. And it was actually supposed to be the album when we went in to do it. We did it in a real studio. And for whatever reason, uh, when we signed with Mean Machine, that eventually collapsed. And then we were, uh, our contract was purchased by the Roadrunner. We really wanted the demo because the demo is a uh, kind of maybe a more true version of what we were live. And I, I don't remember exactly all the reasons why. I think it may have had something to do with the fact that they were not happy with the drum tones that we had. There was, for whatever reason, uh, we, it was decided that we would just re-record the album. So between starting to record it with Moon Machine and it not being uh, sonically right, and then Roadrunner taking over the contract and... We tried to re-record some of it, and it turned out not sonically right. And then, by the time we were done, almost all of the performances had been re-recorded two or three times. So it's really a bizarre album. Even the drums were overdubbed, which is in a, a musical style such as thrash, in, in the complexities of the intricate performances that and time signatures. It was really a difficult task for Chris to do, um, but he pulled it off. And I don't know. At the end of the day, the album speaks for itself and stands the test of time, evidently, because it, it gets hailed as a classic by a lot of people. And we only wish that it could have been more along the lines of what we wanted it to be, but it right. is what it is, and people love it. So we have to. It no longer belongs to us anyway. Once once it's released, it belongs to the people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we are instead of pining over what that album should have been, we'll just focus on <laughs> what's coming next. And I think you did ask me if we're working on new music. We, we're actually dabbling with that right now, just to see what it turns out to be like. Uh, we're, that's not our main focus right now. Our main focus is the dates that we have booked now and, and delivering promises on that. And along the way, we're just kind of letting the chips fall as they may. Cool. Cool. Well, we're excited for whatever you guys have in store, the live gigs, potentially new music. We'd, we'd love, we'd love to hear it. And while, while I have you here, of course, I wanted to ask you also about trouble and kind of see what the status is with that band, is that kind of in hiatus or on hold now while, while you focus on other things? Not so much uh, as it, it just, Trouble, uh, it's just, it's, it's a, a slower moving thing than maybe, maybe it's the, the riffs, I don't know. Right, but, right. Uh, we, we did the album in 2013. We actually have been in the process of writing material the past few years just slowly but surely uh, i just don't think that anybody feels a major sense of urgency to do anything fast uh we just figured that when the album is completed it will be ready and it will be great and we'll go out and support it so yeah absolutely trouble is is still a thing and uh i think it's just a uh a, a laid-back timeline comparatively right 
Right on. And of course, the album you were talking about, 2013's the the distortion field, and you know that that uh, press really really received that record well. What was that like recording with this legendary band? How how did you uh, approach that record? Well, you know, I've known the guys for so long because I, I did some filling dates back in the '90s with them, and I've been a fan since I was a teenager. So it was really never a question for me as to whether or not I had to think about whether I wanted to record with them or not and join the band as a prominent member. Uh, I, I care about their songs, not just the ones that I wrote with them. I, in fact, I, I kind of prefer to play the older stuff because I'm a fan. You know? Right, right. Uh, uh, but as people, I love working with them. We're all friends. And the newer stuff that they've given to me to, to work on is amazing. And uh, I just, when I'm standing on stage with them and, and Rick and Bruce go to the front of the stage and do their twin guitar leads and harmony, I just get to stand there and sit back and voice to myself in my head during the show, wow, you just don't see that every day. Right on. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other stuff you've done through the years. Looking back on on Floodgate, can you uh, share any memories of that that band? Or you know, I guess how how long did that actually go on for you, Floodgate? Uh, we were busy for for quite a while, and we treated it like a business. And uh, I worked really hard to uh, to make a a, a quality experience for the guys that that were in the band with me on that. Uh, my brother and I formed that pretty much in our parents' uh, kitchen while we were both kind of, we, at the time we were in our 20s and we had both boomeranged back to mom and dad's house uh, between, you know, whatever our things were. <clears throat> so we would sit up and have drinks and write songs and, and that's kind of how that album came together. And uh, the, I guess the interest that I had generated over the years with Exhorter, it, it was kind of, well, what's Kyle Thomas doing next? And this, the demos that we had done, um, Roadrunner had fallen in love with, uh, had some interest from EMI and uh, Pavement and a few other labels. Uh, long story short is we, we ended up signing with Roadrunner and um, made a, an album that we're all extremely proud of. We we worked pretty hard to make it. We worked pretty hard to support it. We ended up doing the the very last Sepultura tour. We did main support for the Roots tour in Europe. Wow. Which, well, it's amazing. It was arenas every night. You know, you, you just... You, you go from doing club tours, club tours, club tours, to being on your own Nightliner playing to an average of 4,500 people a night. It, it's definitely a, an eye-opening experience. And, and they don't always all love you when you're main support. <laughs> right, right, right. So and, you, know, you have to fight to go with the bad, but uh, it was great touring with them. They were wonderful people. They Sadly, they had so much inner turmoil at the time. We were there the night that uh, that Max left the band, and really, uh, well. it was yeah, it was very unpleasant because it was the last night of the tour, and it was just awkward. But uh, 
at the end of the day, they, they all treated us like family, and I'll never forget that. So, Kyle, when you look back on your career, you've, you've done so much. What are some of the, the absolute highlights for you? The best part is the camaraderie, the, the brotherhood, the, the time you share. That is good. Is is hard to beat. Well, there, there the times when things aren't going so well, and and everyone's kind of at each other's throats about it. Is is the hardest part. But uh, I've I've been all over the world, and I hadn't seen much of anything <laughs> because when you're on tour, it's not like a vacation, so you don't get to go do a lot of sightseeing all the time. But uh, but getting out there and making new friends and uh, Seeing the looks on people's faces when the music is really speaking to them is an absolute joy. It's kind of like when I, I like to cook. So when I cook, I, I do it less for myself than I do for the people that I'm feeding. When I see the look on people's faces, if they're enjoying my food, that's worth it to me. And it's kind of the same thing with with the craft of songwriting and, and performing. Once you you look out in the crowd and you can see it's really hitting them in the fields, you know, uh, that's what makes it worth it the most to me. Very cool. And I, you know, just, just as somebody who covers hard rock and heavy metal music and, and studies this stuff, I, I just have to say, I have so much respect for people like you because you're not, I mean, no disrespect, but you're not a household name. You know, you're not, no, you're not, you, you know, you, you're not probably, probably recognized when you go out to the store, you know, and, and, but yet you're out there just for, for decades upon decades delivering music and, and art and much more, I mean, I, I, a guy like you, much more a artist than a rock star, you know, and, and a lot of respect uh, I have for people like that. So uh, thank you for all your hard work and, and for all your great art throughout the years. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I I wasn't ever a guy that did this for the chicks. <laughs> right, this, right. You know, I I started out as a musician at a very young age. I come from a household where art is very important part of daily life, and uh, that's not to say that I don't enjoy some good mindless rock and roll. And, and Lord knows, I wasn't exactly painting. Uh, Da Vinci classics with some of the horrible <laughs> lyrical content that we had. Right, but right. The, the point is, is, it's it's all subject to interpretation, and uh, a huge part of music for me is an avenue to to vent and relieve the stresses and the pressures of everyday life as well. So uh, there's more to it than than just I, I you know I'm, I I don't think I'm and really setting out to change people's lives necessarily, but you do want at the end of the day to offer a product to somebody that gives them, you know, something to have some introspection on. Uh, you know, that when people ask me, "What do your lyrics mean for this?" What does the lyrics in this song mean? My answer is usually, "Well, what does it mean to you?" Right. Because what it means to me is going to be completely different than what they mean to you because you don't live my life. It's, it's less about how it meant coming from me as to, is it making you feel a certain way? Is it helping you? Is it 
stressing you? What is it? You know? Yeah, well, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like once you release something, it, it's no longer yours anyways. It more becomes the fans thing, you know, and which is a very interesting Absolutely. concept, you know. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, I, I really don't listen to, uh, I've got people that ask me, hey, you know, remember what you said in this song here, 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 man. And it's easier for me to remember the, the old Exhorter songs because it's long-term memory. I was young and it stayed with me. It's more like muscle memory, but <laughs> some people ask, I'd ask me, you know, hey, on that album, on the Pussy record you did in that song where you said this, I'm like, did I say that in that song? I haven't heard that album in so long because right. I just don't listen to it anymore because I'm not touring with them. I'm not working on it. I, I, not that I've forgotten it, but I just, I don't sit around listening to me all the time. And uh, so uh, if I had to get up and do a live show with that band right now, I'd be in big trouble because I just don't remember. I'd have to do some homework. Yeah. Cool. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for your time today and we wish you the best of luck and looking forward to everything you have uh, coming musically in the future. Well, I thank you, Mark. I do appreciate it. Uh, everybody, be on the lookout the next week or so. We're we're hitting a festival in Portugal on Friday and one in Germany on Saturday. So there's going to be some updated live uh, live shots, live videos, and probably videos of us acting like idiots or boring old men, whatever way you want. <laughs> and where's the best place people can check you guys out online? Well, we do have www.exorder.com, which is our official site. Our, we have official merch stores there for the, uh, the States and for Europe. And also we have an exorder page. There's an Instagram page, which I don't, I don't mess with the Twitter and Instagram stuff. I'm 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 an old man, so right. <laughs> I, I stick with Facebook like most old people do. Um, each guy, uh, or at least a few of us, have our own artist pages. So uh, just go check out, go search Exhorter on Facebook if that's where you're at, and you'll find uh, you'll find some kind of action there. Okay, cool, cool. And we'll have those links up in today's show notes, guys, on TalkingMetal.com and TalkingRock.net. Kyle, thank you again for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Talking Metal.
Conspiracy by Trouble. That's from 2013. Thank you to all our guests, Tony Higby, James Rivera, and Kyle Thomas. And thank you guys for supporting us. Yeah, please come join me on the Patreon page. I really, really need your support there. Okay, guys? And stay metal. Keep it loud. That's it.